So, what if, you know how I'm always whining about, it's the grind, it's the daily grind that prevents me from doing anything creative, especially podcasting. What if I were to turn that on its head by podcasting during my commute? to the daily grind. This may not work, and it also may be unsafe to uh, passers-by, I'm not really sure. Usually I don't do anything on my way to work. I don't like listening to the radio or a podcast or anything. I just try to get myself um, in the right frame of mind to get ready for the day. I work at an elementary school. I know I've said this a million times. I'm the school counselor. And the moment I get there, there's going to be kids running up to me and stuff going on and things that have to be done. So I want to be as present as possible for that. And when I get up in the morning, it's uh, usually a fog that I'm getting up into, and I'm not a morning person. Very slow to warm up. This morning was a little unusual. I woke up with my wife at 5.15 and went for a two-mile run. And I had done that in the past, and I'm never able to sustain it, but it's, it's getting into spring here in the southwest, and it's going to get hot and hotter and hotter. So if you want to get up and go for a run... Um, for me, I mean, I have to be at work at 7.30, 7.45. I've got to get up really early while it's still dark. Otherwise, you got to wait till you get home. And then it's, you know, 4 o'clock, 4.30, and it's hotter than hell. And you're tired from the day. So it's just not something that I'm going to want to do. So this morning, not only did I get up and run the two miles, but... I put my little new microphone on the iPod Touch, and I'm just going to try this as an experiment. Um, I'm hoping it's not distracting or any more distracting than just talking to somebody. If this proves to be any kind of distracting from my uh, distraction from my driving, I'll definitely stop doing it. I know from taking trips with my wife, once I get talking, sometimes I'll start driving slower. And I used to listen to podcasts in the morning to try to learn Spanish. And I stopped doing it because I realized it was putting my mind into a different frame that was not conducive to driving. But we'll see. I mean, this is my 15-minute commute from my house to the elementary school that I do every day. And like I said, it's usually just a time for me to try to get present. So maybe uh, doing a little podcasting will help me in that regard. So I'm always saying that unexpressed intentions are draining me. So 
the fact that I'm going to get some recordings in during a time that I usually wouldn't use for anything might uh, get me feeling more pumped up. I don't know. Also, the sound quality might suck with the whole road and everything, so we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, I don't get pulled over by a cop because it looks like I'm staring down at my phone, even though it's not a phone, and I'm not texting or anything. It might look like I am to somebody. And I don't want to just set the recorder on the dashboard or something because it's going to probably make a lot more sound without me holding it to sort of cushion it. Anyway, this could prove to be a total waste of time. Um, My mind is usually not that sharp in the early mornings anyway. So I'm thinking, though, if I do this every morning or on the way home from work, I can just keep the files and just delete anything that's not interesting. Maybe I'll end up deleting almost everything. But if there's a good nugget or two that I could save, I could kind of patch it in and have a a segment of the podcast that's sort of me commuting back and forth to work, sort of the best of, if there are any best of moments. So I'm just going to keep speaking here because I don't want to I don't want to have too much dead space, but every day I drive past this other elementary school on my way to my elementary school. I see these two crossing guards, and never once have I seen a kid crossing the street. I just see these two people that are obviously getting paid to just stand there, and I wonder if, you know, they cross one or two kids all morning, and they just stand there waving at cars or chastising people for driving too fast. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm coming up on that now. So everybody's slowing down to 15 miles an hour. or I usually go all the way down to 10. And give old Janet a wave. Uh, Janet's just probably not the person's name. Almost assuredly not. But I'm just going to say it's Janet. She's drinking her coffee, waving. Janet, have a good one. Um, Yeah, in my own school, things start fresh. Today, uh, we have standardized testing this week and next week. This is my first year going through it at the elementary school level, and you can just tell it's everybody's dreading it. Yesterday, my role was to sit next to a special education student for two hours just sit next to them in case they asked me to write something for them so I was like what they call a scribe because the kid can't really type for himself so if at any point he says will you write for me I'm supposed to just write verbatim what he says and uh, he asked me to do that once at the very end of the two hours and it was literally, you know, a sentence fragment that he had me write. He was supposed to construct this entire essay. And it was clear that uh, he was sitting there with his headphones on and the text of the test was being read to him, that he just understood nothing. Uh, he's just going through the motions. He has to take the test like everybody else. Um, I could see when it was time to answer the questions based on whatever story he was reading, that he just randomly selected things and then moved on to the next one. 
And uh, unfortunately, uh, this was a reading test, and there were it was based on two little short stories that he had had to repeat. I don't think he had to repeat them. I think he could have just listened to the story once and then just answered all the questions, but I don't think he really knew how to navigate the test. So what he actually did was these two short stories would be read and it would take a long time to read them in the slow robotic voice that the software uses. And then he would answer two questions, go to the next page, and the stories would start reading again from the beginning. So literally, these stories were read seven times each. So he had to listen to both stories seven times each and just to randomly answer the questions. And I just had to sit there. I mean, you can't, as the test proctor or whatever I am in that role, I mean, I, it's not like I could get on my phone or bust out my laptop and do some work. I just have to sit there silently for two hours. So and this is what I'm going to have to do today and the next day and every day for the next two weeks. So it's, it's just, it's absurd. Um, I suppose this is just part of the job that, you know, is going to suck every year. I was a high school counselor last year and the the standardized testing was equally ridiculous. You could see different kids just phoning it in and randomly answering questions. And of course, other kids that were seniors needed to pass various tests to graduate. So they were all freaked out. So it's testing season in the public schools. And yeah, it's really, it's just ridiculous what the, the teachers have to do to get these kids ready for it. And we're, uh, you know, there's a grading system for the elementary schools where I live, A through F, and we are an F school, mainly because we have about 10% of our kids that are actually proficient at these standardized tests. And so it just adds insult to injury to, you know, go through these tests every year, and our, our kids do horribly on them for a variety of reasons. This is an extremely low-income area that I'm about to drive into. The kids at this school are dealing with uh, unbelievable stress and tragedy in their lives, trauma. I'm the school counselor, so obviously, I, you know, I am in the middle of all this on a daily basis. Some of the kids all, you know, if, after the standardized testing, if I do speak to some of these children... I'll be talking to them about, you know, the fact that they witnessed their daddy choke their mommy earlier last week, or I'll be talking to another one about how their mom was just given a jail sentence of three years for drug trafficking, and another one I'll talk to about how their mom lives in Mexico and can't come back, and so... They uh, have to choose between living in Mexico with their mother or staying in the U.S. with their father. Just shit that you would not normally go through if you're a middle-class person like myself growing up in the United States. So it's a shit show on a lot of levels. Um, I do, like I've mentioned a million times, I do enjoy the job. And the kids are 
for the most part, are awesome. I mean, of course, there are some little turds that like to uh, push everybody's buttons. and but, I mean, you can't blame any of these kids for um, how they behave or how they express themselves given the situation that so many of them are in. So, But there's also just amazing, you know, really sweet kids. So it's a, it's a really interesting job. I'm surprised that it's not a job people know about. I certainly never had an elementary school counselor. When I was in elementary school, we had a guidance counselor in high school that just sort of went over what classes we needed to take, and then when it was time to go to college, she told us which colleges we were too stupid to get into. But I don't really remember him doing any counseling uh, as far as mental health goes. But now all the elementary schools even have counselors, and uh, it's an intense but fun job. I mean, the energy of an elementary school, if you like kids, that really keeps you on your toes. The kids are always, uh, they're doing something, if not annoying the hell out of you, they're doing something hilarious. But they're not, um, they're not susceptible to the malaise that adults are. You know, they're not, um, they're not just, uh, their inner flames are not dimmed, I'll put it that way. So it's kind of contagious, and, you know, I enjoy making connections with these kids for sure. I'm about to drive over a bunch of railroad tracks here, because I'm going toward the wrong side of the tracks, as they say, and I'm almost, almost at work. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a fun job. Um, I, I also get summers off and a lot of random holidays and so forth. It's still not enough time off for me. I mean, I'd love to just work 20 hours a week and then just live life and have a good time the rest of the time. But, you know, again, I mean, you uh, compare my life to what some of these kids go through and are going to have to live through when they're adults, and it's, it's hard to complain. Although, uh, I guess I will anyway. So, I guess it's too dangerous for me to even try to shut this thing off. <laughs> so, I'm going to just have to ramble on until I actually get to work and can shut this off. And maybe on the weekends I'll just edit these things, assuming it's been recording at all. I'm not really sure what the sound quality is going to be or just the quality of my thinking and expression given that it is early in the morning and like I said I am a slow to warm up dude it seemed from a safety perspective that I can handle just talking to myself while I'm driving we'll see if I end up you know running some little kid over who's crossing the street you see me on the news local dumbass kills child while podcasting but let's let's hope that doesn't happen um and also yeah i'm gonna have to maybe put a little bit of thought into what i'm gonna talk about every time well who knows 
Like I said, I'm going to edit all this shit out, so what the fuck do you want from me? The point of this was to just attack the grind just head on. If it's the grind that's preventing me from creating, what if I create right from the belly of the beast, so to speak? Maybe, maybe this will be the key that unlocks my creative powers and frees me from the constant circling and circling through all the same old struggles. But we'll see. All right, here I am at the school, about to pull into the old parking spot and get ready for the day. All right, my little spot says counselor, which is kind of nice, even though other people will feel free to park there if I don't get here on time or if I leave for a lunch break or something. Bye now. Just for shiggles, I'm going to do some recording on the way home, as well as uh, I did on my commute this morning. I'm now leaving the elementary school. It was another interesting day, as it usually is. Interesting in some ways, mind-numbing in other ways. I had to be a uh, one-to-one scribe, as they call it, for the standardized testing with another student who's in the uh, special education program, an autistic boy. And again, I just needed to sit next to him during this test, and he could have taken up to two and a half hours to to take this test and just sit there on the off chance that he was going to request that I type for him. Um, and this kid uh, was done with the test in about six minutes. He clearly wasn't interested in trying or reading any of the actual questions or were stories that the questions were based on and he just Click some random answers and got the hell out of there. So that seemed um, like a total waste of time. And at first I was like, hey, that's awesome. Now I don't have to do this for the rest of the morning. But I did have to babysit him until the rest of his class was done testing. So I still had to be with him for the whole two and a half hours. And um, we went on to the playground and this kid just had the entire playground to himself since the rest of the school was testing and he just ran up up and down around the jungle gym and we uh, shot the breeze for a few minutes but he's an autistic kid and wasn't super chatty and I just watched him play some game that he made up called treasure hunt where he would take wood chips and send them down the slide uh, into a pile and Sometimes he'd just stare off into space. And uh, so that was my morning. And um, I also tested with him in the afternoon. And then had to babysit him and a friend of his for another couple of hours. So this is that time of year, maybe in all schools, where everything feels pointless to everyone. You can tell the teachers at the school are kind of demoralized by 
what they have to go through for all this standardized testing. So much of the, the effort that goes into it and the time just seems like totally pointless. And in truth it is. Uh, you can understand why you'd want to sort of measure where the kids are relative to their peers nationally and around the state and all that. Our kids, um, I think they have something like a 10 percent proficiency rate on these tests and uh, I don't know if that's going to improve based on what I'm seeing for my little slice of the world at least at this elementary school. And uh, it's also a little bit annoying because it puts me at odds with my normal function as the counselor. So I have to be tied up in these testing things for the majority of the day, but stuff still happens. So I'm trying to squeeze in little small appointments with kids that have the most pressing issues. So I have to triage a lot to figure out what's, you know, what's the most pressing issue here? Is it this small child who just witnessed daddy choke mommy the other day or is it this other kid whose father blew his own head off last year and she's having memories about that or is it these other two kids who are about to be relocated to Mexico to be with their mom and you know it's just on and on so you have to do some triage and and take on um, the kids that are really having the most difficult time and I always feel bad for a lot of the other kids who just kind of want to hang out, but there's just not enough hours in the day to accommodate them. But I was hanging out with uh, some of the other teachers on the playground once some of the other students were done testing and other children came out to join uh, the little autistic boy that I was with. We were all standing out there basically just babysitting these kids that were done early. and. Um, yeah, the teachers were sort of commiserating and lamenting about um, just how much worse everything's gotten. A lot of these teachers have worked in the, the school district for years and years, and they would talk about how things were 10, 15 years ago at other schools and just how things seem to get worse and worse every year. These kids are less and less equipped to deal with life, and they just you know can't imagine where these kids are going to be. and. Um, it just feels, you know, in the words of one of the teachers, that uh, it's just hopeless and that this whole entire generation is going to be in danger of uh, just missing out on living the good life. And maybe even you know, there's going to be some civ civilizational collapse. I think some of that is, uh, you know, people are tuning into the news and Everything feels like the sky is falling these days with the way we're tapped into news and social media at all times and we can be upset about uh, various political and um, other issues happening in the world. So some of it feels like um, people are exaggerating it a little bit, but I had another meeting with a teacher after school who was telling me that this was his hardest year, his 15 years of teaching. and. He just, he, and he grew up in this area, and he was just, again, just lamenting about just how much worse things are. So I don't know if there's any truth to those anecdotal reports. This is my first year in an elementary school. I'm not from this city. I'm not from this region. 
there's so much more poverty and lack of investment in uh, schools in this state compared to where I grew up, which was New York. Um, and it's certainly, at least to the extent my memory is worth a damn, when I think about my elementary school life, everything just seems so much more structured and so much less chaotic than what we have here. But these kids, um, there's something called the ACE score, which is Adverse Childhood Experience. And there's a list, I forgot how, how many items, 10 or so. And if you have four or more of these items, which include things like having divorced parents or a deported parent or having experienced abuse or violence, these types of unstable family life things. If you have four or more of these aces, then you're, you know, like a billion times more likely to run into trouble in, you know, a billion different ways. And our kids, the, the ACE scores that they have are just off the charts. So they're experiencing incredible instability and trauma at a young age. Just the sheer number of kids that fall into that category at our schools, absolutely overwhelming. And I, you know, I'm only scratching the surface with the 75 kids that I see on a one-to-one -one basis. The school population is about 500, and every week I find out about, you know, some other kid that has a history of uh, this or that horrific thing that, you know, that, but he, he or she was never on my radar this year for whatever reason. So we need, uh, I don't know, it seems like we, we just would need to double our staff to, to deal with some of this stuff. So this teacher I spoke to in the afternoon, he was saying what a lot of the teachers seem to feel, that you can't really do a lot of teaching because, in his words, 90% of what you have to do is classroom management. And I can relate to that to the extent that I teach as well. When I go around and teach my social-emotional learning lessons, um, it can be a real drag because so much of the of time you're just dealing with managing behavior, so you can't really get into your lesson. And that's been the case pretty much all year. So I'm not super experienced with classroom management as a first year counselor. I'm not really a teacher. I don't have a teaching license or teaching experience really other than, you know, internships and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's pretty damn difficult. Uh, and I don't know the answer. Uh, I just try to focus in on making connections with the kids on a day-to-day, hour-by-hour basis. And when I come home, I just leave it there. I mean, I don't, I'm not one to bring my work home with me and freak out about what might be happening with this or that kid. I just, I can't have that mindset or I'd go insane. So I just sort of do my best. I realize it's a shit show and there's only so much you can do when the kid goes home to the same chaotic environment. But at the same time, it can be pretty powerful just to make a connection with a kid and have a relationship with them throughout the year. Um, I had a fifth grade girl who came to see me today, just wanted to talk. And she feels, she's a smart kid, feels cut off from her peers. She's not one of the popular girls. And 
she just feels lonely and left out a lot of the time. She's also having trouble with a divorced parent situation and feeling like she never has quality time with her dad, even when she sees her dad, you know, he's busy or working or not really making time for her. So she's lacking, like a lot of these kids are, this male adult role model. So she just likes to come and just chat with me. And that's it. I mean, we're just, you know, I'm letting her, talking to her about how things were when I was in school and she's telling me about her life and her interests and, and then, you know, it comes time for her to go and that's it. But I can tell she's getting a ton out of it. And that's what I really love to do, just connect with the kids and hang out with them. And that's the approach that I take to all my individual counseling. I just uh, find out what the kid's interested in. If it's soccer, then, you know, we're going to go out and play soccer probably every time that we have a session, at least for a few minutes. Um, and whatever their interest is, I express genuine curiosity about it. If they have a favorite YouTube channel, I'm like, hey, let's dial it up. Let's see what it is. Hopefully it's school appropriate. Um, but, you know, I just get interested in what they're interested in. And then I have that as a, you know, I can work that into the counseling as needed. And a lot of what I do is not traditional mental health counseling because you just can't do that in a school when your caseload is 500 kids. A lot of it's just checking in on kids and making connections. And some of it's the teaching, uh, trying to teach these kids bigger lessons. Some of it's just dealing with peer conflicts and crisis situations that happen from day to day or from week to week so it is uh it's a really interesting job um and again like i said before if i could just do it maybe 20 hours a week and still have all the summers and holidays off i mean I'm, i know i'm asking a lot i would be stoked but um i kind of like this idea of doing some of these podcasts on my way home or way to work because uh, like I mentioned before, I always have this tension. I feel like the grind of having a job, this is, it's what's preventing me from doing some of the things I really want to do, which is what I'm doing right now. Just uh, podcast and create, um, also write, do music. So for me to be able to um, find time to be creative and to dig deeper while in the midst of the grind. I mean, literally commuting back and forth to work. I think this was a, a smart idea for me to stumble onto. Assuming, you know, that I'm a good editor and I don't just uh, put some of the um, completely pointless things that I'm bound to ramble about onto the, onto the final cut. Um, yeah, so anyway, I'm feeling feeling good about what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm headed home. I'm on my street. I have an absolutely beautiful view of the mountains here as I I roll um, up toward the street where my house is. And, um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I got up this morning, ran two miles. I did some recording right in the midst of a chaotic day. I'm going to go home, be able to hang out with my wife. So it's it's a good life. You know, I can't complain. And like, like I've said before, I'm not going to quit this job and try to, you know, be a professional 
content creator of any kind. I'm just going to continue to do this because I benefit from it. And if it builds into something else, that's awesome. But that's where I'm at. Home sweet home. Pulling into the garage. And getting ready to enjoy the post-work uh, chill out on the couch. Till next time.